Welcome, Serie A fans. Benvenuti to the Total Football Analysis Serie A podcast. I am your host, Daniele Proc, and I'm joined by Chris Monfort, the EPL podcast host. How are you doing, Chris? Fabulous. So glad to be here. Great week of Italian football. I agree. COVID chaos, though, as we wait to see whether Ronaldo tests negative and can join Juventus for the game against uh, Barcelona. Uh, Inter, as well, is waiting three players to have them back after uh, testing positive for COVID about two weeks ago. Last weekend, Gianluigi Donnarumma, starting goalkeeper for AC Milan, joined the list of COVID uh, players that tested positive in Serie A. And this morning, Lazio, uh, five players, including Immobile and Luis Alberto, won travel to Belgium to play Club Rouge in the Champions League game on Wednesday. But we'll talk about COVID and the impact of the new COVID protocols on the finances of Serie A later on. Now, Chris, we must discuss what happened over the weekend, beginning with Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Uh, he has a scoring frequency of one goal every 45 minutes, six goals in three games. Anything to add, Chris? You know, the naysayers keep doubting him, and he keeps, keeps scoring goals. I mean, what, what can you say? He's, he doesn't have the speed uh, that he used to have, but he's figured out how to be at the right time at the right place. Very economical in his movements, and he's a goal scorer. He is. Milan-Roma, 3-3, an eventful game, lots of chances, mistakes, and penalty kick controversies. But let's reconstruct uh, the goals in order. The first goal by, obviously, Zatan Ibrahimovic. So it started with uh, a ball that was delivered to Rafael Leao, the left winger. And uh, what I liked about the play is the run by Teo Hernandez from the back. He overlapped him full speed and basically stretched the Roma defense. So now they had to drop. Rafael Leao changed his mind. He cut inside. So Ibrahimovic picked out a very nice curly pass for Ibra. The ball bounced, was out of reach for uh, Roma defender Mancini, was not out of reach for uh, Ibrahimovic. Sized uh, 14 shoe. He uh, just stretched his uh, right foot and put the ball in the back of the net. Mirante couldn't do anything. Or could he, Chris? Uh, I don't know if he could have done anything on that one. That was beautifully timed uh, on sides. No question about that. You kind of wonder if the defender uh, should have stayed a little closer to him, but you got the striker behind you. You got the ball in front of you. It, you can't, you can't look both ways at the same time. Just brilliantly played. So the goalkeeper Mirante, um, as the ball uh, bounces on the ground, do you wait for Ibra to take a touch or at that point you have to shift because if he doesn't touch it, you still have to, you know, to save that kind of cross? So my take on it would have been to step out and get as big as you can and hope that you get lucky in terms of a block. In that situation, especially given how quickly things are going, that's the only option and, and, you, and you hope your position gives you a little bit of luck. What about risking to cause a PK if you come out too fast and too big? Let's say Ibrahimovic touches around you and then you, you just uh, roll over him causing uh, a PK. Daniele, when I played, I didn't miss the ball. I just get it. <laughs> there wouldn't be any PKs. But no, I'm kidding. So I think in those situations, obviously, if a keeper, if you feel that you can get the ball. Um, but, you know, it, it was... The angle in which it was coming in, you had a defender uh, that was in front, supposedly, right? You, you kind of got to trust your defense. And in that particular case, defense lets you down in goalkeeping and in life and football. 
you, you got to play the probabilities. And I think he did the best he could given those circumstances. You know who missed the ball was Ciprian Tatarusanu, Milan's uh, second goalkeeper who, has, who had to step in goal after Donnarumma was uh, kept out because of COVID. What happened on the first goal? Corner kick came out, probably yelled Mia, which is mine literally, to call the ball, but uh, missed it, swing, but couldn't reach it. And then Dzeko uh, just had it in, in an empty goal. What a... Uh, What do you see that? Was it pressure maybe? Absolutely. I mean, uh, I would say as far as really any position, he's been riding the pine forever, right? He hasn't, he hasn't had a lot of um, playing time, certainly not recently, so it's hard to get into a rhythm. That ball comes in, it's placed at, at the six, six and a half yard line, which is borderline go, no go as a goalkeeper, mm -hmm. right? Um, if you're bigger, maybe push it out to the seven yard line. Um, But in that particular case, uh, there was uh, a player from the other team had jumped up, kind of obs obscured his view as he was going up for the punch, and he missed it. And Jekko was right behind him to seize the opportunity. He, he does what he's done uh, hundreds of times. So, um, yes, that's unacceptable for a goalkeeper. Can I understand why it happened? Yes, I can. You know, he, he's coming off the bench and saying, okay, put the gloves on and go. <laughs> and the, guess what? Your timing's a little bit off on, on those right on the six-yard line. Well, seeing how uh, essential Donnarumma is for AC Milan, now his agent, Mino Raiola, is going to want to bump his contract, which is expiring at the end of this season. He's going to want to bump his contract very high. Um, the second goal of AC Milan started again from Leao, very pacey winger, uh, attacked the, the end line and then made a cutback pass where Alexis Salismaker finished with his right foot. The second goal of Roma came of a weird goal, uh, a weird penalty kick call. Uh, what happened? So Mkhitaryan took a shot with his left foot. Tatarusanu saved it, but wasn't quite able to de deflect it outside of the, um, of the, the small box. And uh, what happened is Pedro from Roma and Benacer from Milan, they both uh, raced to the ball. Benacer seemed a little in front, and what he did, he stepped on the right, trying to shield the ball from uh, the incoming Pedro, and Pedro just bumped on Benacer back. Most people were thinking that it was a PK for Milan because Benacer was in front. In fact, the commentator, if you rewatch the highlight, said, what is the other way? That's what he said when the uh, referee called the, the PK, but apparently the referee interpreted this way, which is nobody had possession of the ball, And Benacer, by shifting right, he caused Pedro's run. He interfered with Pedro's run, hence the PK. PK was transformed by uh, uh, Jordan Veretout. Not even 10 minutes later, another soft PK for uh, calling the game. Tchernoglu went down, almost unconvincingly asked for a PK. It was given. Zlatan, another goal, the sixth of the season. But Zlatan was also responsible for the, the Roma's equalizer. I don't know if you remember, but on that corner kick, he tried to clear the ball with his right foot. And as he swung, uh, the ball hit the outside of his, of his foot and went far post where Kumbula was able to convert that in. I don't think that uh, it went as, um, it wasn't as noticed as people would say, but Ibrahimovic had, had a big, had a bigger role even in that goal. Yeah, I tell you, I, I'd still rather want Ibra in my, my starting 11. So mm -hmm. uh, you got to take it for what it is. And I, I'll tell you something. Um, 
AC Milan is still undefeated, right? They uh, are so far. Was it what is it? Sixteen games now. Uh, seventeen uh, straight uh, Serie A games without losing. Yeah. So you know you they they had some big travels. Uh, it was Thursday, right? Um, in which they were traveling back. Um, it's such a tricky time right now. You know, it's it's this whole season is going to be an absolute mess. You just talked about COVID at the top of the, the pod. Mm-hmm. Lazio is probably going to be starting their, their second 11, potentially dipping into their U23. So we're going to see scores like this going forward. I don't think it's going to be one team scoring 90 points for the season and, and being a flat-out winner. It's going to be a dogfight. And I'm going to be honest with you. I love that. I want that to be absolutely you know, just ruthless. I, I'm a, I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of parody and CDI has been about oligarchs, you know, basically <laughs> the big three teams. And I, I'm glad to see that there's some folks that can mix it up. And this year is especially competitive because we can see that Juventus have not quite uh, fully uh, embraced Pirlo's idea. There's still a, a little bit of things to fix because they uh, this past weekend they tied their third consecutive game. They couldn't go past a one-to-one draw against Ayala's uh, Verona side that uh, was very solid defensively. They had the best defense in the league with two goals considered in five games. Juventus, to be honest, were a little unlucky. They hit the woodwork twice. One goal got ruled out by VAR due to a tiny offside by Alvaro Morata, and then they missed a lot of chances. On the other hand, we have to give a shout-out to uh, Verona goalkeeper Marco Silvestri. Chris, he came up big. He's 29 years old. He's been doing well, but do you see him ever having a chance at Italy national team? Unfortunately, I don't. Uh, you know, he's, he's, a real, he's a real journeyman. He actually spent time in Leeds for a few years mm. uh, and um, the rest of the time uh, with various uh, Italian City and City of B teams. You know, he had a great game. Uh, the wood, the woodwork was kind to him. And uh, he's going to remember this match because he had his work cut out for him and he showed. And Juventus were able to equalize by, a, I would say, a fantastic ball by Dejan Kulezewski. I loved how he took the ball on the right side and then he started to spin, uh, to twist the defender right and left. He cut probably three or four times and then, like Messi will teach, just pass the ball into the bottom corner. And that was, that was beautiful from the, from the young player, uh, from the best young player of the past Serie A season. You know who's uh, not that young anymore but keeps making a difference, Chris, is Romelu Lukaku. Another goal for him, five this Serie A season. He also scored twice in Champions League last week, last uh, uh, week against Borussia Mönchengladbach. Mm-hmm. Like Ibrahimovic, what do you say about this guy? Is that keep the defender, defenders busy, they score, they fight, they assist, just essential. If he were, for some reason, for COVID injuries, whatever, to not play for Inter, I think that Inter will kind of lose a reference of how do we play now? Like we are, we are started to become very reliant on Lukaku. Would you agree? Completely. You know, I think the two Milan teams have a a real issue in their high dependence on, mm. on the striker. Um, there's not someone that can step in and, and fill the gap very closely, more, nor is there a midfield that's going to be able to, um, to kind of pick up the slack. So 
you want to keep uh, uh, Lukaku and uh, and Ibra cryogenically frozen um, between games <laughs> uh, to make sure that they don't break, right? So wheelchair wheelchair them around to make sure they don't have any problems uh, between games. But I think Lukaku's. I, I love the way his game is developed. He he was he was pacey. Uh, when he was younger, he's still fairly young. He's in the, in his late twenties right now, but I just think the intelligence of his game and the slowing down to speed up, all these little tricks and the different ways in which he's scoring goals, I just I really think that he could certainly go into uh, to any any side in in Serie A and probably could go into most sides in the top teams in in, in Europe and get a um, a starting role. So usually what happens to the physically structured guys like Ibrahimovic, like Lukaku, we can include Andrea Belotti in this, in this list. It usually takes a little longer for them to um, be in shape. And that's why at the beginning of the season, maybe they're not as, as efficient, as um, decisive in what they do. But it looks like this rule does not apply this year. Maybe it's because of all that happened. And obviously it's a weird... Uh, it was a weird end of the year. It's a weird start of the season, but they look completely in shape to me. I don't know. I don't know about you. Uh, I don't know if you can see any similarities with what what's going on in England. Well, it's pretty easy. Um, uh, you know, Lukaku is is a fan of food, uh, and um, you know was known for being a little heavier when he was in England, but when he when he came to Italy, interestingly enough, even though I think the food is much better. Conte yes. basically gave him an ultimatum, right? And he slimmed down and he, he stayed slimmed down. And it's, it's shown, um, you know, he, he has to be the best of his game there. But to me, it's, it's the head that's been really, really developed. He really understands the position. And, mm. what, you know, that you tell me that intrinsic ability of knowing when to turn or not to turn, when to, when to take that one touch back to, from where the ball came from. He just he's he's playing like a an absolute maestro right now. What's your take on that? And you mentioned the position Conte's three five two. He always wants a big guy on top and then a faster guy, crafty guy underneath. He's been doing that at Juventus. He's been doing that at Chelsea uh, with a national team when he used to play uh, Pelé. Um, that position, when you play with two strikers, also allows him to kind of range all over the field because in counter-attack situation, he's not only big, he's fast. His uh, defenders, you see them trying to grab his jersey. They just can't. He's just too strong physically, fast. So I think the position is helping me, helping me a lot. The fact that Lautaro, he works well with Lautaro Martinez, good chemistry because you can tell if you look at Inter when one of the wingbacks, one of the, um, the three centre-backs, when they have the ball and they pick their head up and they're looking for Lukaku, all the players are already thinking, OK, the ball is going there. I'm going to go close to him for the layoff. And then when the layoff happens, now the players is receiving uh, the ball look, facing forward and now you have runs from the opposite wingback, from a midfielder. Like, I love the runs that Barella makes, um, going through the, the middle of the pitch, uh, the run from the up from the, from the other striker, and and that works so well. So I think that the position he enjoys it a lot. Um, physically, uh, I hope for Inter he'll be able to keep up the entire season. Um, it's gonna be a 
a challenging season from a, a physical and mental standpoint because, again, he's playing right now as we're speaking. Uh, Inter are playing in Champions League uh, against Shakhtar Donetsk. And you mentioned the travel. They had to go to a very cold place and play again. So that's going to play into it. Um, Lazio, back to winning habits with a 2-1 win over Bologna, thanks to their two stars, uh, Cire Mobile and Luis Alberto. Uh, you know who was specifically happy this past weekend was uh, Insigne's parents. It's probably the best, their best weekend of football of their life as they watched both their sons, Lorenzo and Roberto, score in the same game. For opposite factions, though, first Roberto scored for Benevento and then Lorenzo equalized with a magnificent left foot strike that ended up uh, top 90. Napoli went on to win that game. If, Chris, you are a parent. If you see both your, your sons score in the same game, you're just gonna, what are you going to do? You just sit back in the chair and say, wow, I love life at this time. <laughs> no question. I mean, you want to see your offspring score on the same day. Uh, you, I would never dream that it would be in the same match, right? Uh, particularly for opposing teams, and um, just a great story. I, you know, you sometimes wonder if these, if there are these writers for CDI in the back that write these scripts out. But that is stranger than than fiction, right? Uh, people, no fiction writers would say, no, no, that's unrealistic. But hey, what a beautiful, beautiful weekend for the family. And to make it even more uh, romantic, uh, Roberto Insigne, who now plays for Benevento, he was at Napoli. And then he obviously went on to uh, his own path, uh, playing in Serie B. And last year he got promoted with Benevento. And now he scored his first Serie A goal against Napoli, against his brother. So, like you said, yeah, there must be someone uh, behind the scene writing this down. And Napoli would have a perfect record if, uh, uh, if it wasn't for the game that they lost on forfeit against Juventus on October 4th. So right now they have four wins, one loss. Um, but still, instead of 12 points, they have, they have 11 because besides losing that game on forfeit, they also got one point detracted from their standings. I don't know. We could discuss this a lot. What do you think about it? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I think what I would focus on is their um, goal production is really impressive, right? They're, I think, third in the league uh, with 14 goals. Their goals against uh, is, is uh, fourth or fifth in, in the overall um, City A with five goals. So they're sitting in second place and they, and they walked away from three points with the Juve game. So, you know, if I were Milan, I would say thank you, um, Napoli, for the gift. Um, and I think they're, one wondered, you know, were they a, le a legit contender for the, the title? And I think the jury's still out a little bit, but they're doing all the right things. They're making all the right moves in the beginning of the season. So hats off to them on that. And you mentioned Napoli only considered five goals, but three of them are uh, the goals that they technically considered because of the forfeit, because the game that they lost Good was point. a 3-0 forfeit. So on the field, they considered only two games so far, sorry, two goals so far, which would put them uh, as their best defense alongside, um, alongside Verona. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a great point. Mm-hmm. Atalanta, what's going on, Chris? Lost 3-1 at home against a Sampdoria side that was very lethal on counterattacks. 
You tell me what's going on there. Well, I think it's a glass half empty or half full. You know, to me, uh, I think Atalanta is really their youngish team. Uh, they're not a, a, a big budget team. And they're playing games every three days. And they won last week. And they've got a really exciting game that's going to be starting shortly. And they took their eye off the ball over the weekend. I, I will say that I am keeping an eye on things because, yes, they've scored uh, 15 goals, which is top three or four um, in the overall um, Serie A. But they've given up 12 goals, which is mm. pretty worrisome in, because that puts them, you know, in, in – uh, top five in terms of most goals conceded. So th their defense worked well enough. You know, we, we've said in the previous pods that that was going to be something we were going to look at. That was going to be a soft spot for them. Mm -hmm. And guess what? They gave up three goals uh, this match and, and they walked away with the loss. Yeah, and Atalanta in the past years, they would always score more than what they considered. And lately... That's just been a, an issue, right? Uh, and like you said, um, can I can I tell you though? I, yeah. I feel like there's a, a little lack, little unlucky this match because okay. the XG expected goals. was two point three, right? Okay. And Stomp was one point six seven. Atalanta took twenty shots to Stomp six, mm. but the only thing is, only five were on target versus Stomp's four. Okay. So what I'm really struck by is. Even though Atalanta had the ball two-thirds of the time, they weren't able to convert, right? And Samp was, did twice of what their expected goals are. Mm -hmm. And you tell me, I mean, there, there are those days where you try to do everything right and you still get the wrong outcome. Yeah, it could be a moment because uh, I am confident that they have top-level uh, finishers at Atalanta, Muriel, Uh, Zapata, um, Captain Gomez himself, Ilicic, uh, Malinowski uh, scores goals as well. Miranchuk, the new the new signing that scored uh, uh, in Champions League last week. It could be a moment if if numbers are there, if the chances are created. I think Atalanta will be back on track um, to what to the to the Atalanta that we know. In the other matches, there were a lot of goals. Sassuolo tied against Torino three three. Uh, again, Caputo, again, Belotti. Uh, they both have five goals in this area season. Sassuolo right now are third in the, in the league, just behind um, their 11 points, uh, tied with Napoli and just behind Milan with 13. On the other end of the table is, is Torino, second to last, and they just picked up their first point of the season. Fiorentina Odinese, 3-2 for Fiorentina. Gattano Gastrovilli with the brace, a name that... Uh, Roberto Mancini, the coach of Italy national team, uh, should definitely uh, keep an eye on for the Euro 2021. Parma Spezia, 2-2 uh, after a late PK drama. And Cagliari Crotone, Crotone finished 4-2 for um, Cagliari. Crotone is currently last in the table with just one point. In the meantime, Chris, October 24th, last Saturday, there was a new decree from uh, the Italian government. Uh, not allowing fans anymore at stadiums. So even the 1,000 fans that were allowed inside of the Serie A stadium, stadiums now uh, cannot attend games. Um, president, pre president of Serie A, uh, Paolo Dalpino, 
uh, and the president of uh, uh, Fiji Chi, Gabriele Gravina, sent a letter to the government saying, listen, we already lost 200 million euros last season and we're expected to lose another 400 million this season, mainly due to ticketing revenue. What can be the solution? Do you see Italy considering something similar to the project big picture that England is currently considering? Well, I guess let me make one observation about public health and then let's talk about comparing mm -hmm. with the UK. I'm really struck by um, airports are still open. You still have a fair bit of traffic, people moving to and fro. 1,000 fans in 45, 60,000 person stadiums to me doesn't feel like a tremendous public health threat. Um, so I'd love to see the science that supports the fact that you can't even you can't even have a thousand fans. Now the truth is, a thousand fans isn't going to make that four hundred um, four hundred million euros go go away. So that's kind of one thing I'd I'd like to explore. I know that in the UK it's even more backwards, and that cinemas are open and they're televising matches, but across the street uh, you're not allowed to have. Um, fans or a de minimis number of fans. And that's a head scratcher for me. As far as project big picture goes, I think the good news is in the UK, things are pretty fussed up, right? So you've got the four divisions um, in, in the Premier League and Championship, you don't have a salary cap. League One, League Two, you've got um, basically salary cap implemented. Uh, and for the most part, you know, in those lower leagues, they depend on um, spectator and sponsorship income, just like um, City uh, yeah. B and, and Lower do as well. The tricky piece is, is going to be, will City A or the Premier League share more money with the pyramid down below? And is it fair to ask City A teams to give up money out of their pocket, of which they're losing money, to help those clubs below them. And I just, I'm a little concerned because people don't give much money away for free for nothing, right? I mean, yes, there's a legacy of philanthropy and stuff like that. But I just, I think that you've got all these different interests. The city of B, the top five or six teams have more in common with the bottom of city of A, right? Mm -hmm. And it's a fluid City A is fluid, right? There are people that are coming and going, except for maybe the top eight or 10, right? So it's really hard to herd all these cats in to make a decision to go one way or the other. And I don't get the sense that the Italian government has the will or the interest to step in on this. And I'm worried that they're going to be literally be three or four City A teams in the lower end they may just say, hey, we, we can't finish the season because we don't have the money. What's so, your thought on that? Yeah, so um, what the Serie A president and the Fijici president, by the way, Fijici is just the governing body of football in Italy. Um, they asked the government for uh, um, reforms because in the past decree um, that came out, that was in, in effect starting Monday, uh, they didn't see proper regulation, I guess. Uh, they think that the protocols are still uh, unfavorable for, uh, for football, which contributes, uh, which is the, the, the sport that contributes the most um, 
to, uh, to, the, to the country's economy, right? So what they're asking is, uh, I was reading Gazzetta dello Sport, which is a, uh, Italy's daily. Um, one of the things that they were asking, it was to maybe halt the contributions that Serie A has to uh, give Italy at least until the end of the emergency. I don't know how feasible that is. Um, but speaking of lower leagues, even uh, the presidents of Serie B, which is a second tier, and Lega Pro, which is a third tier, they have um, invoked the help of the government. They have uh, voiced similar concerns. Serie B president, just on Sunday, um, I was reading on Gazzetta dello Sport, he said, um, we contribute to a lot of money and we give job. It's a league that gives jobs to a lot of people, independent contractors, service managers. So we need the help. And if that help doesn't come, uh, there is a serious risk that some clubs will go bankruptcy. They're going to have to cease to exist. Um, now, I don't know about, uh, like you said, whether Serie A will be willing to share or to help out uh, the lower leagues and what form would this help uh, come in. But um, it's, it's very chaotic with COVID cases spiking in Italy. There is this emergency. Everybody's fearing the second wave, another lockdown, which was terrible, terrible from a mental standpoint from the Italian citizens. Do you see yourself any solution or will we just have to wait and, uh, and see how this develops? Well, I think in these chaotic situations, uh, number one, there has to be a strong leader emerge. And I just don't know where that is going to happen in Italian football. Um, I literally don't know. I'm not skeptical. I just don't see clear folks. And the reason why is because in the Premier League, where you have a lot of very strong intentioned people, and you had Man United and Liverpool basically come up with Project Big Picture, which was immediately dismissed and considered outrageous. But I think we need to take a look at all the points and say, that is unacceptable. This is acceptable. What can we give to them to help us survive? I mean, it's an existential threat. It's not a, mm -hmm. hey, you know, we'll just kick this can down the road. There's not a bank that's going to lend, lend money. And, you know, the, the interesting piece is that clubs don't seem to perish. They just go bankrupt and then they're reinvented with a new owner. Uh, so I just, but that's really disruptive to all the employees and the mm -hmm. families and the small businesses around that. And I'm hoping the government thinks, hey, you know, our indecision will lead to a bunch of bankruptcy. That's really disruptive to local communities in a time where the economy is already quite bad. So it might be wiser to spend a little extra money now and float folks for the next six months without even more people being laid off. Um, and we still get to keep the beautiful game of football to watch on the weekends and during the week and any other time they can jam games in. During the week, you said it right, because during the week there are European competitions. Uh, five out of seven Italian teams uh, won last week, either in Champions League or Europa League. Uh, Inter, only Inter tied and Napoli lost. As we are speaking, Inter just finished their game against Shakhtar Donetsk. They tied nil-nil. And Atalanta is about to face Ajax. Um, Lazio, uh, 
today travel to Belgium to, to play Club Bruges tomorrow on Wednesday, but uh, 13 players are out as reported by Sky Sport, either due to COVID or injuries. And the uh, manager, Simone Inzaghi, said it's a tough situation for everyone. We all think it's COVID, uh, at least for uh, uh, players like Immobile and Luis Alberto, but they just haven't yet announced it. Um, Juventus will play, will play Barcelona tomorrow, waiting on the testing result of Cristiano. If he's not playing, Chris, would you expect them to settle for something like a draw because Juventus maybe are currently struggling without Ronaldo? Or you think they're going to go all out trying to uh, pull off three points from this game? Well, I think I'm angry at the script writers because mm-hmm. Messi, Ronaldo, my bet is it's not going to happen. Whew. And it's such a heartbreaker. This was the perfect setup for that. But right now, both teams are walking wounded, either COVID or injuries. Coutinho is out, right? Mm. Uh, Barca has a bare cupboard at this point this year. They've got teenagers running around on the pitch who are absolute superstars, hopefully in four or five years. But they're not, they're not the finished product. And so I'm expecting probably an unattractive game, probably where all – um, pistons aren't firing and I hope I'm so wrong because I, I this is one of those matches I had circled uh, when when they, the uh, the schedules came out I mean how exciting can this be this time of year to see Barca versus Juve they're suffering from similar problems though right it's Juve is a year older they've tried to do some refreshing Barca got rid of some of the, I mean, I think the Suarez, getting rid of Suarez was the worst thing they could do. That Suarez is is co-leading the league with four goals in La Liga, and Barca's only got nine goals, right? So you don't have to be a, a, a mathematician to know that those goals would come in really handy, particularly in situations like Juve. Well, all we can do is sit back and enjoy the games. Always a pleasure discussing culture with you, Chris. We'll see you guys next week after round six of Serie A. A presto.